Welcome to the Assembly of Yahweh Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're here. For more information, you can visit hallelujah.org or download the AOI app on Apple or Google Play. And I know that many of you have experienced heaviness as well. And I would like to speak about that heaviness today in a sermon that I've titled, The Weight of Yahweh. The Weight of Yahweh. If you will, let's turn to Job chapter 23. We know that Job, in his various challenges, was faced with tremendous opposition, tremendous weight. And it's from these scriptures and all scripture that we are able to derive the purpose, the meaning, and also the instruction on how to progress as believers, to not be held back and not be tripped up, but to press through our various trials. Job is one of these books that addresses one of the most challenging questions that humanity will ever face, and that is the issue of human suffering. How is it that an almighty Elohim, capable of doing all things for any one person or for any one people, how is this same mighty one, who is invincible, infinite in wisdom, and divine in power, not able or willing to save those who so desperately need him in times of difficulty and challenge, who oftentimes seems to be ignoring the very issues that his people are facing, and also yet be glorified by us. It's these questions that cause people to doubt. It's these questions that cause people to lose their faith. Many have left the faith. Their belief in the Almighty, whether it be in this assembly or other churches around the world, because they cannot comprehend the weight of the Almighty. Nor do they have the faith to see His glory in their suffering. Certainly, Human suffering is one of the largest and most used debate questions that skeptics turn to. They laugh at Christianity. They laugh at religious ideology because if we believe in and subscribe to a higher authority who we believe is capable of all things, why then can he not prevent a child from dying? Why is he unable or unwilling to solve world hunger? These are the questions that we are faced with. And Job, in its entirety, is one of the most impactful narratives that we can give. Job is in chapter 23 replying to one of his friends when he says, Even today, my complaint is rebellion. His hand is heavy, despite my groaning. Every single person will at some point deal with this issue. The weight of Yahweh's hand on our lives is oftentimes refreshing, oftentimes freeing, oftentimes the most exciting thing that we can possibly imagine. 
Chains are broken. Weights are lifted. Guilt is destroyed. Fear is done away with. And in these moments, we feel close to Yahweh. We feel exalted by Him. We oftentimes feel like He is listening to us. And there's nothing that can stop us. But that same hand, which brings freedom from captivity, the same hand which brings healing, is the same hand that bears the weight of suffering. And just like Job, we find ourselves in these moments, not surprisingly, complaining. It's the natural response for suffering. To look to the heavens and say to ourselves, why? Job counts this complaint as rebellion, and he said, his hand is heavy despite my groaning. Although I cry out, yet he presses even more. Many have understood the immense amount of pressure that Yahweh is able to put on a person. And then Job is starting to make a plea here as he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. Job seeks an audience with the Almighty. If I just if there was a place I could travel to where I knew he would be there, I would go there and I would stand in his presence. And this is what I would do. I would present my case before him, verse 4, and fill my mouth with arguments. Like a lawyer in a trial scenario, I would come before his presence and I would plead my case to him. Haven't you understood why I don't deserve this? Don't you see how I'm choosing daily to live for you and seek after the things that you find important and yet your hand is heavy upon me? Can I at least seek an audience with you to be heard by you? I would learn the words which he would answer, verse 5, and perceive what he would say to me. So Job doesn't just want to argue and present his case, but he also wants to learn. And then he goes on and says, would he contend with me by the greatness of his power? Would Yahweh use his power and argue back? Would he fight with me? No, Job concludes. Surely he would pay attention to me. I understand very little about suffering. But I do know that if there's one thing all who suffer want, it's to know that Yahweh is listening. He would pay attention to me. And in our despair, so oftentimes we do feel that Yahweh is so far away that he is not able to hear us. Verse 7, there the upright would reason with him and I would be delivered forever from my judge. 
To say it as simply as I can, humanity approaches the throne of grace so oftentimes with a sense of entitlement. The idea that because I am a human and because I serve you, you by reason and obligation, Almighty, should pay attention to me. This is the typical response from humanity to the Almighty. But it is a human response. The actual truth when all is heard, in my opinion, is Yahweh owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. The very breath we breathe is a gift. The life you live is a gift. To see your children raised is a gift. To see your young children married is a gift. To raise grandchildren is a gift. To drive a car is a gift. To have financial freedom is a gift. The whole thing from start to finish is nothing but an enormous gift by which our only response to the Almighty is thank you. Thank you. This is a very, very difficult truth to embrace. It is impossible to serve Yahweh and to say thank you for the gift and yet curse him for suffering. And so Job goes on. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I cannot perceive him. We're in verse 9. When he acts on the left, I cannot behold him. He turns on the right, I cannot see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his path. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. This is the response of a righteous believer. Job has faith through his suffering that no matter what, He is steadfast. Let's keep going. He says, he is unique. I love that. The mighty one that we serve is unique. He's not like other gods. He's special, different. He's unique. Who can turn him? What his soul desires, that he does. Difficult truth number two. Yahweh can do whatever he wants to do. Difficult truth one. We have no rights as humanity. Difficult truth number two. Yahweh does whatever pleases him. If he chooses in his infinite mercy to gather a people and pull them out of bondage, let him do it. 
if he, by his infinite wisdom, decides to take that same people and throw them in the fiery chasm to try and challenge them in every aspect of their ability to believe, then he can. Oh boy, he can. He does what his soul desires. He performs what is appointed for me. He's got a plan. And his decrees are with him. Therefore, I would be dismayed at his presence. For I consider and I'm terrified of him. This is the reality that Job comes to when he thinks about standing in his presence. At the beginning, he thinks, this is a great idea. If only Yahweh could hear me, I would present my case and he would relent. But after thinking about it, actually, I realize if I got into his presence, I would be dismayed. In awe and wonder, I would be terrified. This is truth number three. To be terrified of the Almighty in the sense of every aspect of fear. He is alone, Yahweh. There is no begging. There is no reasoning. Although you can make your case, and please by all means do, pray, but at the end of the day, to stand in the presence of the Almighty, I do believe we will all find ourselves speechless. Even the presence of Him is terrifying. It is Elohim who has made my heart faint, verse 16, and the Almighty who has dismayed me. But I am not silenced by the darkness, nor deep gloom, which covers me. I'd like to turn now to the idea that our response to suffering is suffering with faith and rejoicing. The reality of the weight of Yahweh is evident, sometimes almost all-consuming. How do we respond? How do we respond to the Father in our time when his hand is heavy on us. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 9. I'm not unaware, by the way, that this message has been preached so many times. I'm not unaware that it's probably been done way better than I'm doing it. But how often is it that we need the reminder, in my opinion, as often as we can? Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Peter says, Blessed be the Elohim and Father of our sovereign, Yeshua the Messiah, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Messiah Yeshua from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away who are protected, rather, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of Yahweh through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, 
you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even, through, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Amen. This is the group that has not seen him and yet loves him. This is the group that you are the group that has not seen him now, but believes in him. And because of that belief, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible, full of glory. Why? Why is the, is the believer and follower of Yeshua able to rejoice and be grateful and glad and thankful through various trials and tribulations? Why is it? It's because of hope. It's because we know that no matter what happens, if tomorrow a church bus full of youth crashes and catches on fire, the most unthinkable thing that we have ever imagined, and lives are lost and tragedy falls upon us, we know that our promise in heaven, the kingdom that is coming, is eternally secure and that there is no thing that can change that. And that Yahweh in his infinite wisdom and sometimes indiscernible choice making and choices for our lives is yet still almighty and in control no matter what. This is why at funerals we rejoice. Although we are filled with sorrow and difficulty, sadness and tears and pain because we oftentimes miss those who have left us. This is why we can continue. It's why tragedy does not stop us in our tracks and say, you can't go on. The very faith that we pro profess in Yeshua is the thing that continues to motivate us through our challenges. We read this as well in James chapter one, just a few pages to your left. Verse 2, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How difficult is it in the moment of distress, in the moment of challenge, to consider it with joy? This is one of the reasons that following Yeshua is so difficult for many. It actually requires us to do the very opposite of that which we want to do. If you think about it, Yeshua's walk is not easy. It's never meant to be easy. He who gains his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. The whole idea of following Yeshua is to become like him in his suffering. Never has promised prosperity and riches and wealth been the path of Yeshua. Although it can be, it is not promised 
to be. When we want to sin, we choose not to because it's the very faith in us, the conviction in our hearts that says, no, you're a follower of Yeshua. When we want to give up, it's the very faith in us that presses us on. You cannot give up now. You must push on because of the trust you have in Yeshua. Consider it all joy, knowing, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of Yahweh, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask for wisdom. This is what Job asked for. Then I would hear his response. Do you understand? He wanted the presence of Yahweh so that he could not only plead his case, but so that he could hear the response and be corrected. This is the cry of our hearts. It will be given generously, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like a surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the master. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position. And the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and the flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Master has promised to those who love him. We must press on under trial to persevere in faith and receive the very crown of life that we believe so much in. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with Yahweh through our Master, Yeshua, the Messiah, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we exult in hope of the glory of Yahweh. And not only this, but we also exult in, tri in our tribulations knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope, and hope does not disappoint. Life is full of disappointment. But when you're standing on the edge of eternity, looking at the glorious kingdom prepared for you, my friends, it will not disappoint you.
because the love of Yahweh has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Amen. We rejoice in our sufferings. Briefly in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. After you have suffered for a little while, the Elohim of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Messiah, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Hallelujah. It's easy to say. It's excruciating to do. The irony of Job's request in 23 is that he, in fact, is granted the audience with Yahweh that he wanted. And guess what he has to say? Nothing. I have no thing to say to you. By all means, please speak to me. In the presence of the Almighty, we are left with one singular thought. I am nothing. In his presence, all things are reduced to nothingness because compared to him, there is nothing. There is no glory. There is no pride. There is no boasting. Only his glory is glorious. Only his thoughts are righteous. Oh, that we could experience the humility of being in his presence. Songs have been written about the same thing I'm sharing with you today. Pressing on, persevering with faith. Trials dark on every hand, and we may not understand all the ways Yahweh would lead us to that blessed promised land. But he'll guide us with his eyes, and we'll follow till we die, and we'll understand it better by and by. Temptation, hidden snares, often take us unawares, and our hearts are made to bleed for a thoughtless word or deed, and we wonder why the test when we try to do our best but we'll understand it better by and by. By and by, when the morning comes, all the saints of Yahweh are gathered home. We will tell the story how we've overcome, and we'll understand it better by and by. Perseverance through faith is our response to the heaviness 
of Yahweh's hand that we might prove His glory. That we might prove His glory. But secondly and lastly, that we might be partakers of Yeshua's glory. Who in His perfection, in His humility, in His unquestionably, unquestionable faith in the Almighty was made to suffer. So often I am so guilty of wondering why do I deserve this treatment from the Almighty? And at the end of the day, am nothing even close to the righteousness that Yahweh's only begotten Son displayed and yet was made to suffer. In our moment of suffering, let us first remember that if it were not for Yeshua's suffering, we would not have hope. If it were not for Yeshua's death, we would not have life. Hallelujah. And so we often rejoice not only in the suffering of Yeshua, but also we rejoice in the very idea that Yahweh would give His only begotten Son to save us. Let us remember that in our suffering in Psalm 22. This is the psalm that Yeshua quoted while hanging on the torture stake. It is the natural human nature response in our times of suffering to feel rejected, to feel forsaken. And so this is the psalm that Yeshua cries out in a moment of immense torture and pain, unbearable circumstances beyond what any imagination could contrive. This is the suffering of our Savior. My Elohim, my Elohim, why have you forsaken me? Far from my deliverance are the words of my agony and groaning. O oh, my Elohim, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I have no rest. Yet you are holy. O oh, you who in, are enthroned upon the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were delivered, and you they trusted and were not disappointed. But I am a worm and not a man a reproach of men and despised by the people. All who see me sneer at me. They separate with the lip. They wag the head crying and saying, commit yourself to Yahweh. Let him deliver him. The very words that those who mocked Yeshua were saying, are you not the king? Where is your army? 
Let him deliver you. Prove in this very moment of suffering the fact that you have at your disposal a thousand and ten thousand angels. Remove all doubt and we will believe. But this, as Job said, was not what he had appointed. They sneered. Let him rescue him because he delights in him. There is no person on earth who has ever brought Yahweh delight more than Yeshua. Yet you are he who brought me forth from the womb. You made me trust when upon my mother's breasts. Upon you I was cast from birth. You have been my Elohim from my mother's womb. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth at me as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. This is the condition of our Savior's suffering. Poured out like water, bones out of joint. My strength is dried up like the potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my jaws, and you lay me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I count all my bones. I can count all my bones. They look and they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing they cast lots. But you... O Yahweh, be not far off. O you, my help, hasten to my assistance. Deliver my soul from the sword, my only life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild oxen. You answer me. I will tell of your name to my brethren. Is that not what he says in John 17? I have declared my name to you, rather to them, in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear Yahweh, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither has he hidden his face from them. But when he cried to him for help, he heard. When we cry out, it may appear that Yahweh cannot hear us or isn't listening. But I assure you, he is. But just because we cry out does not mean he will relent. From you comes my praise in the great assembly. Here's the rejoicing. I shall pay my vows before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise Yahweh. Rejoicing. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to Yahweh, and all the families of the nations will worship before you. This is the hope of the kingdom, for the kingdom is Yahweh's. And he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust will bow before him, even he who cannot keep his soul alive. 
posterity will serve him. It will be told of the sovereign to the coming generation. They will come and will declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has performed it. Let us not lose hope in our time of suffering. Yeshua suffered. Of all people, the single person ever to walk earth who deserved no suffering was made to, de- to suffer for our behalf. Let's remember that and not become squeamish, but to rejoice in our suffering. In Romans chapter 8, I'd like to close with just two more passages here. The weight of the Almighty bears difficult truth. Our response is suffering with faith and rejoicing. We need to remember the suffering of Yeshua. In verse 12 of chapter 8, Paul says, So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of Yahweh, these are the sons of Yahweh. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of Yahweh. And if children heirs, heirs of Yahweh and fellow heirs with Messiah, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In the presence of the Almighty, the only thing we see is his glory, and it reduces us to nothing. But the hope of eternity is that the very glory which he glorified Yeshua with is ours also to partake in, but not without suffering. For I consider that sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The things that we go through, yes, difficult, yes, impossible, yes, sometimes so discouraging, are yet nothing compared to the glory that is to be revealed. Hold on to hope as we sing. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of Yahweh. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of what? Him who subjected it. We are meant to be subjected to futility, not because we want to, but because He wants to. In hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption and to the freedom of the glory of the children of Yahweh. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And we know not only this, but we also ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption 
of our body. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. Hope that is seen is not hope. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Hallelujah. For who hopes in what he already sees? But if we hope that we do not see, we, with perseverance, we wait eagerly for it. In the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not even know how to pray as we should. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of Yahweh. And we know that Yahweh causes all things to work together for good to those who love Yahweh and are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed in the image of his son. That's the suffering. So that he would be the firstborn among brethren. And he, these whom he called, he predestined. Rather, these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. And as Kevin was praying today, these words came to mind. What then shall we say to these things? If Yahweh is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Hallelujah. Verse 33. Who will bring a charge against Yahweh's elect? Yahweh is the one who justifies. Who will be the one who condemns? Messiah Yeshua is he who died. Yes, rather, he who was raised, who is at the right hand of Yahweh, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Messiah? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor any angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of Yahweh which is in Messiah Yeshua, our master. Hallelujah. Let's close in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. I am not unaware that these things are so easily said and so difficult to live through. Let us encourage one another with encouragement. Let us sing hymns and spiritual songs. And let us be ready for our time of suffering. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Messiah. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Messiah Yeshua, my sovereign, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I might gain Messiah 
and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Messiah, the righteousness which comes from Yahweh on the basis of faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. In all things in life, riches and poor, sickness and health, let us always look to the resurrection to know the fellowship of his suffering. Paul says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. I power through. That I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Messiah Yeshua. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, Forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of Yahweh and Messiah Yeshua. Amen. Let's remember in our deepest and darkest times the hope that Yeshua has promised each one of us if we will live for him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Yahweh, thank you for your infinite wisdom. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, which you show us every day. So much suffering in the world today, Yahweh, we are faced with. We pray that you would comfort those in need, that you would strengthen those who need encouragement, that you would give us a heart of rejoicing, a heart of joy, steadfastness when faced with trials. Let us who are not undergoing trials lift those up who are and be an encouragement, a help. Yahweh, we just give you thanks that you are almighty and that compared to you, there is nothing of value. Help us to remember that we are always in your presence and that you hear us. Father, we are dismayed by you and your hand and pray that you will use the same hand of heavy weight to lift us according to your will, according to your time, and according to your purpose. In the name of Yeshua, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. I appreciate your time today. May Yahweh bless you.